0: hello 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 this is the kinks and beats daily i am your host tony fry happy tuesday to you today we are talking about uh the first solo song to appear on this podcast i figure um we need to cover everything and the kinks recorded for a lot longer than the beatles did so i'll throw the beatles solo material in there too so that we can keep it balanced um and then it just adds a little bit of variation every week, every day. Um, Today we're talking about That Is All. So our first episode of this podcast was Here Comes the Sun, a George Harrison jam. Our first solo song to appear here is a George Harrison song. So obviously you see um, that I revere George Harrison a bit. The song is That Is All. It was released May 30th, 1973 as the final track on his album Living in the Material World. While All Things Must Pass, his first epic solo album is widely considered his masterpiece. I think Living in the Material World is actually his best album, and uh, and I celebrate his entire catalog, but uh, Living in the Material World is a beautiful album, and I think uh, sonically is what... All Things Must Pass should have sounded like because there are elements of Phil Spector. He didn't produce this one. He produced one track on it, um, Try Some, Buy Some, which was actually written for Ronnie Spector. uh, And then George Harrison recorded his own vocal uh, and released it on this album. But he was supposed to produce this album and then George ended up backing out and uh, doing it himself. So there's elements of Phil Spector's wall of sound production on this album including in particular this song but it's restrained and and musically um i think more appropriate to george's voice to his songwriting ability um to a rock and roll record and not a 1960s girl group so um there are definitely aspects to this song that are Spectre-esque. It's, it's orchestrated very lushly. There's a choir. Um, there's you know stacks of keyboard parts and guitars and all that kind of stuff. But it's very tasteful. Um, it features Klaus Vormann on bass. Klaus is one of my favorite bass players. He was originally in Manfred Mann, but he worked with, I think, all of the solo Beatles. Um, Obviously, he never played bass for Paul that I know of. He did play bass for John on Plastic Ono. He played bass for Ringo. He played bass on a ton of George Harrison tracks. And then there is um, some video more recently of him playing piano with. Paul on a Fats Domino tribute I'd have to do some digging to find out if they work more together but he's a he's a friend from the old Hamburg days he did like the album cover for Revolver and the anthology series and they they knew him from back in Hamburg and then Jim Keltner on drums legendary session guy played on everybody's records Uh, amazing drummer and one of those guys like Ringo who can handle George's time changes effortlessly and there are some time changes on this tune uh also on this uh gary wright who you probably know for Dreamweaver, and nikki hopkins so there's a kinks connection here because nikki played on a bunch of kinks records before they had an official pianist in the band um, and was the inspiration for the song session man by ray davies so this is actually quite the uh convenient Crossover song for us to do on this podcast. Uh, The tune was covered by Harry Nilsson in 1976. Um, There's some crossover there because George played on a couple of his tracks, and uh, and they were buddies. So the thing, the reason I picked this song is it covers quite a bit of George's signature sound. For starters, the whole harmonic structure of this song is built on what he would call naughty chords all right i talked in a previous episode about his love of the diminished seventh chord which depending on how you use it can be um sad or hopeful right so if like you use it ascending Mm -hmm. that diminished 7 chord seems to lift up. You hear it a lot in like gospel kind of stuff. But then if you use it in a sad way, like he would... uh, (laughs) On Isn't It a Pity, it has kind of a more somber feel. So the diminished 7 chord, because of the way it's constructed, um, is really a cool cool chord to use he uses it all over the place what he also uses here though are augmented chords and plus chords and what he's done um, is he has this chromatic ascension so he starts on an A chord um, which he actually sings a 6th above it so he plays the D Then a D plus, so you're taking the fifth and raising it a half step. And then he goes up another half step to what's essentially a D6 chord. But because the bass is playing a B underneath it, 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 you can use it as a a D6 or just a B minor chord. So you've got, and then he goes to a D seven, which raises that another half step, Um, and then from there, he kind of shifts back to the four chord, uh, or I guess if we're if we're going from D, and then a G augmented and then an E minor or G6. Oops. Oops. So again, you've got this chromatic movement going up there. But what's also cool is that on top of this chromatic movement, his vocal delivery is actually doing suspensions. So like I said, he starts off, he's singing on the 6th on the A chord. Then resolves to the five. And then he holds on to that 5, even though the band has switched to the D chord. He's holding off. And he's singing the 5th of the A. So he's he's holding on to that E, which is um, a 9-8 suspension. <coughs> Excuse me. Meaning that he's he's uh, on the 9 of the chord, which is the same as the 2. 9-8 and a 2-1 are the same thing. We just call it 9-8 um, to be, I don't know, pretentious music theory nerds. But you've got this 9-8 And there's it again on top of, so you've got a 9-8 suspension on top of an augmented 5 So it's really cool harmonies and, and lends itself to some cool melodic stuff um, that you don't hear a ton in rock and roll. And maybe this is the Indian influence with the uh, microtonality and all that kind of stuff. But it's a, it's really beautiful uh, melodic structure. And I would sing some of it, but I can't sing. This is way out of my range um, musically. He's, he's super high falsetto that I don't have. So then another trademark George Harrison move, He switches for the bridge, where he's doing basically the same chords. But he switches to 3-8. So we're going into a a slow uh, 4-4. 2-and-3-and-4-and-1-2-3-4. And then for the bridge... He goes into three eight. So that eighth note is staying the same. So he's doing one and two and three and four and 2, 3 and four and one and two and three and so he's got a couple bars of three eight there. Um, for the silence often says much more than trying to say what's been said before so it's tricky to um maneuver as an instrumentalist it's tricky to sing over because you you you're changing the pulse of it you're kind of switching into one where you're going one two three four one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So you, you've changed everything. But the band is so such consummate musicians and, and experts at navigating these kinds of things that you don't really feel it um, unless you're trying to tap your foot to it and nothing seems to line up. So this song, that's two things that are stereotypical George Harrison um, songwriting tricks or whatever you want to call it the third thing is the lyric in that is this a love song to a woman or is it uh, a song about god which he was writing a lot of in the early 70s as he dug deeper into hinduism and he does that a lot and it's a very cool thing um he doesn't talk about in this He doesn't talk about she or her. There's no, you know, um, designation that this is a love song to a woman. But then he also doesn't mention God. So it's not, you know, super preachy. You could sing this to your girlfriend or you could sing this uh, at a church service and both would be totally appropriate, which I think is cool. Uh, This album gets a lot of flack for being preachy. Um, I don't think – I don't necessarily hear it as much like that. I mean, there's a couple songs specifically about the Beatles' breakup. There's a couple songs about his own emotional state. There are a couple songs that are explicitly about God, but you've come to expect that from George by by this point. Um, So I don't see that as being a surprise to anybody. But um, that is all – is a beautiful conclusion to a beautiful album. That's got some of his greatest songwriting, at least one song that should have been a huge hit that was never released as a single. Um, one song that is a huge hit in give me love, give me peace on earth. And, um, I don't know. It's just a great capper to this album. And like he did for let it be the album version that we talked about, um, in our first week of episodes, he has this soft, uh, gentle melody. And then he comes in with just a, a stinging slide guitar solo. Uh, the guitar is turned up loud. It's a simple solo. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty but it still cuts right through and kind of amplifies his frustration because he's saying, that's all I, I want to do is love you and I don't have the words or anything. And and then, you know, so there's like a frustration in the lyrics and then this solo comes in that just amplifies that frustration. And it's a beautiful solo and I encourage you all to go listen to it. As always, full blast with your headphones on. And, you know, just close your eyes and let it wash over you. There's some beautiful guitar work that he's running through a Leslie speaker, so it's kind of got this wobbly sound. Um, and then there's guitar solo. And a gorgeous vocal delivery and a band that sounds like they've been playing together for a decade, even though they were all thrown together for this album or possibly for this one tune at the point of recording. So it's a worthy listen. Um, it's one of my favorites. I go back to it often when you just want a, you know, a quiet, pretty George Harrison song, this is a good one to go to. If you swing by herohabit.com on Friday um, for our weekly update, I will have a link to this song so you can listen to it. But I hope you listen to it before then. Um, tomorrow we are back with The Kinks and a little bit of dancey music that um, I've always liked on an album that I think gets forgotten due to its era and uh, that's all i'm going to hint at for that one swing by itunes give us a rating and a review please and subscribe make sure that you know you're subscribing if you uh, listen on itunes or spotify or whatever hit the subscribe button please that helps us tremendously also if you would like you can email me at kinksandbeats@herohabit.com at or call and leave a message that will be played on this podcast in the future Um, You can call at 925-494-1739 and talk about your favorite or least favorite Kinks or Beatles song, and we will tack it on to the end of a future episode. All right, I will uh, let you go, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow about one of my favorite Kinks songs that you might be surprised is one of my favorites. All right, take care.